everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week. I think it's going to get even better after you hear this podcast. The title of this podcast is A Better Way with Dr. DeWitt Wilkerson, and we are in for a treat. Um, Dr. Wilkerson is an amazing human whose mission is to establish health-centered dentistry as the norm for every dental practice. He serves as a senior faculty and lecturer at Director of Dental Medicine with the Dawson Academy and has provided over 600 days of lectures and hands-on instruction to over 4,000 dentists. Dr. Wilkerson has worked over 35 years seeing thousands of patients suffering with joint problems, bite problems, bruxism, headaches, and sleep apnea. He is the author of The Shift, a phenomenal step-by-step guide to implementing complete health through dentistry. He is the founder of Integrative Dental Medicine Scholar Society, which exists to help all dental professionals to integrate health-centered dentistry with a very actionable approach to making that shift. He has been on the board and served as president of AOSH, the American Academy of Oral and Systemic Health, and also co-hosts the Ask Why Medicine podcast that helps to empower listeners to discover root causes of disease and the pathway to true health. And I myself have been a student under Dr. Wilkerson. I've heard him speak uh, at AOSH in the past. And I recently, in February, attended the inaugural meeting of the Integrative Dental Medicine Scholar Society down in Tampa. And if you are looking for a conference to attend, I highly recommend it. It was literally the best conference I've ever been to. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. So check that out. I have also read, I have it on my bookshelf behind me here, um, The Shift by Dr. Wilkerson. And I was actually flipping through it a few minutes ago as, as I was preparing for this. And it is full of highlights. I'm a highlighter. So um, if you're looking for a great book, I'm going to recommend that as well. So I am very, very excited to welcome you, Dr. Wilkinson. I'm so grateful for your passion and determination toward helping our fellow professionals practice true health care that actually promotes wellness for our patients versus practicing out of the reactionary sick care methodology, which I think we've been stuck in for a really long time. And you have been and are making a huge impact across the nation. And I'm so thankful that you are sharing your time with us today. Oh, oh thank you, Sharissa. It's always good to be with you. And thank you for your contribution. I'm honored to join you on your uh, podcast for Bulletproof Hygiene. You've done so much for our profession. I'm so um, proud of you and and appreciative of you as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I want to start off by just kind of hearing a little bit about your journey and and what got you to this place where you found this passion and how you made the shift yourself from sick care to to true, true prevention. Right. Well, I've been very, very privileged and blessed to 
have worked since 1982 when I, I finished dental school with Dr. Peter Dawson, who really is a true pioneer in dentistry in looking at complete care. And so I've kind of grown up with the understanding that we're always trying to find a better way to do things. And um, so that really developed into what we call the complete care model of dentistry. But that was simply talking about the joints, the muscles, and the occlusion and how they all went together and in, in trying to establish harmony of that, uh, which was a big deal, you know, for uh, so many years to, to address that. But in recent years, and particularly for me, it came through my exposure to AOSH, the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health. I attended their second annual meeting in 2012, which was at the Cleveland Clinic. And the Cleveland Clinic researchers, physicians, PhDs, there were the keynote speakers for two days, and it was amazing. In fact, were you there, Sharice? I was there, yes. I thought, yes. I thought you were. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget some of the speakers. For example, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, who was the chief of surgery at the Cleveland Clinic, basically walked in one day and said, I quit because I don't want to open people up and graft veins around their heart anymore because of plaque that's completely blocking their arteries. I want to figure out why there's plaque and stop that from forming and we'll really be getting to the root cause. And about 10 or 15 years later, he wrote a book entitled Preventing and Reversing Heart Disease and very strongly stood up and said, I've discovered the reason for cardiovascular disease and plaque and it's primarily to, due to our very poor diets and that we can reverse it with you know proper nutrition. Um, well, that was stunning. And then Dr. Michael Royzen, who is the medical director of the um, Cleveland Clinic or, uh, Wellness Center, um, he stood up and spoke and he had been the chief of anesthesiology at the Cleveland Clinic. And he said, and one day I walked in and I quit too, because I realized that we weren't addressing the root causes of the problems our patients were having. We were just patching them up temporarily. And so we wanted to understand the root causes. So he spent the last probably 25 years now looking at cardiovascular risk factors and, and including lifestyle and um, nutrition, exercise, lack of exercise, poor habits, lack of sleep, um, stress, all of these lifestyle factors and began to challenge us as dentists and dental hygienists that we indeed have a healthcare system that's failing. In fact, it's not really a healthcare system. As you mentioned, it's really a interventionary uh, sick care system. So you go in with your chief complaint, they diagnose you and they give you a prescription and send you on your way. With the average physician spending 10 to 15 minutes with their patients every two years. And so that's our model. And in fact, Dr. Royzen said, and it's going to get worse because of the expense of this model and the fact that it's it's unaffordable and we're going to become we're going to be bankrupt if we continue uh, on the path that we're on and so he said there's two choices you can ration healthcare meaning limit healthcare pre-existing conditions you age out on eligibility you have a high deductibles that you know you pay out of your own pocket or he said we can become rational. And that means that each one of us takes personal responsibility for our own health. And we don't depend on our doctor to keep us healthy. 
And so um, that was a tremendous challenge. And finally, he said, and I want to challenge you dental professionals to be on the front lines fighting this health crisis that's destroying our nation. And when he said that, it literally, Sharice, for me, it was like a calling. It was like, okay, I know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my career. And any uh, influence that I could possibly have, then that's how I want to direct it. So that was 10 years ago. And I've tried to learn everything I could about what is the role of dentistry in healthcare? You know, what, what's appropriate for us to do? And um, what is it that could be done that nobody's doing? So I've been to meetings where I was the only dentist and cardiovascular surgeons and cardiologists and, and diabetes specialists and Alzheimer's researchers and just each time saying, and so where do we fit in? You know, what could we do? Um, is it just screening that we could do or can we do screening and testing or could we actually have dental solutions for medical problems? Um, that we could address with our patients. And so that's how I got started 10 years ago, um, really taking this very, very seriously, but it's been so exciting. And um, the potential is totally untapped and totally unlimited. And so um, I've been very, very, very excited as I know you are. Yes. Well, it's funny. You talk about that, that meeting. Um, I remember one of my big moments, cause there were so many, it was so impactful, um, you know, hearing so many things for the first time. And I remember for me, I literally got chill bumps hearing um, Yipping Han's research on, you know, pregnancy outcomes. And I just, I remember I got chill bumps and thought I, I'm never going to touch another pregnant patient without doing some salivary testing first. You know, it really just impacted and, and changed the way I practiced as well. So yes, I, that was a big calling moment for me as well. Um, yes, amazing stuff. Um, yeah. So I guess I have a question. So, you know, for those of our listeners right now that are kind of hearing this and thinking, you know, this, this sounds great. Um, you know, and I, and I do want to practice more from a preventionary standpoint, but that really sounds overwhelming as someone who's been in that, that position and made the change. What do you recommend? Where do you start? Mm-hmm. Great question, because if you start looking at this as a whole body problem, then you get overwhelmed and think, well, what am I supposed to go back to medical school to be able to implement these things? So what I've tried to do, and I'm very fortunate to have you know, an education background, so it's always how do you explain this and how do you make this what sounds complicated, simple. And what I've been looking for is what are the least common denominators that we could focus on appropriately and and simplify things. And we came up with three least common denominators or three pillars of what we're calling integrative dental medicine, which is uh, placing dentistry in the center of integrative medicine, which is basically medicine where you're looking at the whole person, not just at one at one symptom. And um, so in integrative dental medicine, we, we are using three pillars or three primary focus areas, and that is inflammation and infection locally and systemically. So um, I, I think that's the easy one because in dentistry, we all are familiar with inflammation. We look at inflammation all day long. What we haven't done is looked at, at puffy bleeding gums and, and said to ourselves, I wonder what that means about the rest of the body. Right. I wonder what's going on everywhere else. If it's so upset in the, in the surface here, 
um, because we know that systemic inflammation is the number one driver of chronic disease. So whatever that chronic disease is that we might think about, inflammation is a major, if not the major factor driving it. And so when we see local inflammation, the question is, and is that reflecting more? And what are those other things that could be reflecting that we could, we could observe or study, such as diabetes? And so as a hygienist or a dentist, when we see inflamed gums, are we thinking, I wonder if there could be an underlying diabetes that's feeding this fire as well as bacteria and immune system, you know, poor response. So those are the sorts of things in the area of inflammation and infection. And that's the first pillar. The second pillar is airway breathing and sleep disorders, something that's gotten a lot of attention in dentistry the last eight or 10 years. Um, But what we're understanding is that oxygen is huge for all systems and every cell. And so if someone has depleted oxygen levels, particularly when they're sleeping, then they're in trouble. And it may not jump out as something that they're aware of, but it could reflect in being tired or or developing um, insulin resistance or cardiac arrhythmia or fatigue and things along that line. So uh, in the mouth, when we look and we see things like the uvula is down the back of the throat um, because the soft palate is in the airway, um, then that's a red flag for the potential for a breathing problem that could be a significant health problem. When the tongue is scalloped, meaning the tongue doesn't have enough room, so it's indenting on the dental arch, particularly on the lower, then that's a red flag that there's probably not enough room there for, for breathing. Um, when, um, when the upper palate is narrow because the tongue hasn't been filling the vault, typically because someone's a mouth breather, often, if not almost always, because they have upper airway problems, like in the nose, they're congested or they had allergies as a child or may still, then that's an airway problem that we're looking at as, as a dental professional. When we see people bruxing and they're wearing their front teeth out by jutting their teeth forward, even into a crossover where the lower teeth are going beyond the edge of the upper teeth and they're rubbing out there, why would you do that? You see, that's a question that I would have because I don't think anything happens just by accident. So if we think of parafunction, which would be defined as beside normal function as a bad habit of just grinding your teeth, I've always been puzzled by that because I thought, why would the body destroy the teeth for no reason? Is it a nervous habit, really? And millions and millions of people have this nervous habit. It doesn't have any function at all. And then as we began to understand about airway and breathing and sleep problems and realize that people will, when their oxygen levels drop, they'll have these arousals from deeper sleep to light sleep. And often with that, you'll see bruxing. Uh, as an effort really to open the back of the throat, to jut the jaw forward, to do CPR um, unconsciously, then if the teeth are in the way, then hopefully oxygen wins, you know, and the teeth may get damaged. So that really isn't parafunction, which is beside normal function. It's actually protective function that's purposeful to protect the body from dying because of choking to death. And so these are the sorts of things we're discovering. And it's like, aha, 
That's been there all the time. It's been sitting right in front of us. Now that we begin to understand, we're seeing so much about what's going on in the whole person that's reflected in what we're seeing, you know, in the oral cavity. And so um, airway, breathing, and sleep becomes a big pillar of this subject of integrative dental medicine. And the third pillar we would talk about is TMD and occlusion, because obviously dentistry is about occlusion. It's about jaw joint problems and muscle issues and headaches and, and, and sore teeth and sore joints and these, these problems that so often are manifested and people walk in with. And yet what I've learned is that even though I've been focused on occlusion and temporomandibular disorders for my whole career, which is now 40 years, which is very hard to believe, um, but um, we, we were limited. You know, we would see somebody come in, they'd say, well, I wake up with headaches, I'm tired all the time, and I'm clenching and grinding my teeth and my muscles are sore, and we would make them a splint. And some would come back and say, yeah, I I think I feel better. And others would say, well, I don't know if it's really helping and I'm still having headaches. And you'd say, yeah, but there's nothing else we know to do, but there's got to be more to this. But what is it? And now we're recognizing that it's very often airway problems and breathing problems and sleep problems. It's often inflammation that can be present. Um, Many patients that I've seen through the years that come in, diagnosed with TMD, which just means anything above your shoulders that bothers you. You know, it's really not a diagnosis. It's just a syndrome. But many people who would come in with TMD would say, I catch myself in a forward head posture. I find I don't sleep well. I'm tired all the time. I wake up in the morning with headaches. And then I attended a course sponsored by Stanford University, which has the top sleep center in the world. And Dr. Christian Gimeno, who was really the father of sleep medicine, was lecturing, and he started describing what he called upper airway resistance syndrome, which often happens with children where they get congestion. Let's say they have dairy allergy and they get congestion, their nose is running and they can't breathe through their nose, so they convert to mouth breathing. And then because they're breathing through their mouth, they're not filtering all the dirty air that the nose filters, so their tonsils get swollen, and now they can't sleep well, and they end up with ADHD because they have allergies and can't sleep well and are tired in the morning, and they aren't rested, and they go to school and can't function, and they're socially unadaptable, and and so we give them amphetamines. Um, And now we're learning that many, many kids that have ADHD really have chronic allergies in the nose area that are breathing through the mouths and sleeping poorly and waking up tired and therefore all the behaviors follow. And so these are the sorts of things, but also what we find is those children often have crowded dental arches and malocclusions and, and um, poor bites and, and these things because of tongue thrusts and, and uh, the upper arch not fully developing because the tongue never goes up there to push the teeth out uh, as they should. And um, so all of these things start to link together and you're like, oh my gosh, what we were looking at and just saying, well, this is a bite problem. We're going to make you a splint and hope it helps. Now we're saying, oh, no, 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 because this could be related to a breathing problem. This could be related to allergies. This could be related to sleep disorders. This could be related to chronic inflammation because they have a horrible diet. And many of these TMD patients I would see would come in saying, and, um, and I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And, and then all of us would say, well, what is fibromyalgia? Well, I'm just sore all over. 
I'm sore in my joints. I'm sore in my back, my neck, my shoulders, my hip, you know, every, everything's sore. And, and that was the diagnosis, but nobody knew what caused it and chronic fatigue syndrome and all of these different things that we would hear about that people would get diagnosed. Now, as we study inflammation and we realize that people who have terrible diets are going to have a pro-inflammatory reaction where they uh, start to release from cells a lot of inflammatory mediators, they're called like inner, inner leukemia, and just a lot of things that you hear about uh, that happen in cells that are very uh, damaging, that cause chronic pain and soreness. And so we call that inflame aging, aging through inflammation, premature aging through inflammation, prematurely sick because of inflammation. And so today when I'm looking at a TMD patient who comes in saying my muscles are sore and I'm having headaches and I don't sleep well and I'm tired all the time, we're looking at their diet. We're looking at toxins such as smoking um, and seeing that as a major factor. Uh, we're looking at their airway. We're looking at allergies. We're looking at sleep and, and combining all that with, are your joints healthy? Does your bite fit? You know, that, that's important. It's still important, but all of these things link together. So in answering your question, you know, how do you simplify it? I don't know if I'm making it sound simple. I hope so. But um, my point is really that when we look at three areas, which are inflammation, airway, breathing, and sleep, and TMD, joint health and bite health, um, those three together in dentistry, and just focus on those, we start to unravel a lot of problems that we never understood before and are solving a lot of problems that we, we were just attempting to do it with one method treats everything, you know, and that is a splint. And so that's because when you go back to the 60s, the principle was the reason that you grind your teeth is because your teeth don't fit and your body's trying to adjust it. It's trying to self-equilibrate your bite, but it never can. And so you just wear your teeth out and get sore muscles and, and damage your joints. And so if you had the bite perfect, there would be no reason to brux. Well, we know that's not true now. And actually we were teaching that. And so um, the whole point of this is we always have to continue growing in our knowledge. And so what we would call TMD, uh, Dr. Gimeno at Stanford would have called upper airway resistance syndrome, sore muscles, headaches in the morning, clenching and grinding, poor posture, breathing from the mouth and from the chest, not from the diaphragm and through the nose. And a lot of the things that we see and would call TMD, he would call upper airway resistance syndrome or UARS. So who's right? Well, everybody's right. It's just that we have to combine these disciplines to come up with the answers that are individual for each patient. And so that's what we're trying to do. And it's so exciting. And I can tell you the, the learning curve is not that great because we know a lot more than we think we do already. Right. right. And so we're just adding a few factors that are insights to us. We're um, you know, we might say with that patient you're seeing that comes in with sore muscles and headaches and clenching and grinding, have you considered, might there be an airway problem? I mean, it's as simple as that and saying, we should be thinking, could there be an airway problem as well? And so is it possible to evaluate that and test and find out? Sure. We could do that tonight. And so that, that's what I'm talking about as far as, um, 
we don't want to make it more complicated. We just want to be better problem solvers. And the more right. we know, the better we're able to solve problems because they're not all the same. Right. Absolutely. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners, we have some big, exciting news. We are proud to announce that our 2022 summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and observe your spot. We can't wait to see you there. And I want to take just a second and just really plug, you know, um, IBM, because when I attended the conference earlier this year, um, you know, you did a, a brilliant job just now of kind of summarizing those pillars and, and making those points. But that that conference was amazing at really diving in and understanding that. So for our listeners who are thinking, wow, this this makes sense. And, you know, I know for me, as I sat at the conference, you know, we pictures would go up on the screen and patients names were popping into my head. And, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, that that's a sleep apnea issue or that's an airway issue. And it just, you know, it was really, you know eye-opening. So I would encourage our listeners that, you know, are hearing this and thinking this makes sense to me that IDM is a great place to kind of delve in and really understand, um, you know, how to do this. And I will say, you know, your book, The Shift is a beautiful um, walkthrough step-by-step of how to evaluate for these things and how to really get there. So I would say for those of you wondering, yeah, this sounds great, but where do I start? I would start there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know our listeners consist of, you know, all types of dental professionals across the board, but I would say our primary contingent are hygienists. Mm -hmm. And I know you are a big fan of hygienists, and I would love for you to tell me why that is and what you think our role is in caring for our patients and in this true prevention care paradigm. Well, I have to tell you that I think dental hygienists are the medical superstars and have the best opportunity of anybody in all of medicine to change lives. And I mean that with complete sincerity. Dentists kind of have their heads down, you know, and are trying to be productive. They're running a business. Um, They have to be busy and they have to be working hard, you know, producing. And that's a big focus for any business owner. And especially when you're only being productive when you're working. And so, you know, that is always going to be a focus of the dentist. Um, The dentist can have a great appreciation for what we're talking about. Uh, But I see the bulk of this as being something that could be really orchestrated by the dental hygienist and one or two other team members. One of the things there is that I think dental hygienists have a a tremendous opportunity to educate. And I feel that most dental hygienists really love educating their patients. And so um, because of the the nature of your work and the type of procedures you're doing, you can have a casual conversation very often while you're working. Often you're seeing patients over and over again for similar procedures. Hopefully their their oral health is, is pretty great because of your care. And so those four to six months, you know, recall visits um, 
are often uh, ones in which you can engage in educational conversations. And so I, I see hygienists as very motivated that way, but I also see them as having more quality time with patients than anybody else that I know. Um, and, and, and a stronger relationship because the truth is we all know that the patients are often going to turn to the hygienist when the dentist walks out of the room and says, we need to get you back in for that crown prep and, and look at the hygienist and say, do I really need to do that? And if you say yes, they'll do it. If you say no, they'll wait. And so I, I understand that all of us do, but that's a trust level. Um, they don't feel like the hygienist has any you know, uh, uh, any motivation to do anything but the very, very best uh, for their patients. And I think that's the strength to work off of. So, and the other thing is hygienists are very highly educated. And, and so, you know, I feel that we're co-colleagues in what we do because in, in my practice and, and in the training that we're doing, um, we, we talk about the hygienists as our periodontal therapists. And when I see a new patient, I describe the hygienist as the periodontal therapist, and we're going to co-diagnose together, and we're going to co-discover the three of us together and decide what would be best. And so um, when, when we're working with our new patients, I, I want the hygienist to be part of the diagnosis team and then turn it over to the hygienist. Um, but in, in these other areas as well that we're describing, um, many times the, the dentist is just going to be part of the diagnostic team and then turn it over, you know, because they're going to go back in the operatory and start prepping teeth. And so uh, whether we're talking about airway problems, inflammation problems, whole health concerns, uh, that's where I see the hygienist is really the, the lead educator and the lead therapist. Yeah, for sure. And I, on that front, I want to say that I think I, I want to address two different hurdles, but the first one is I feel like we as hygienists really bump into a lot is honestly being at the mercy of our doctors and owners when it comes to what we can implement and how we practice. Um, I know in my years of practice that, you know, years back, I've experienced frustration after attending a CE course or learning some new system or information or technique. And then you go back and you're excited about it and you kind of share it with your doctor and you kind of get shut down. You know, they didn't hear the yeah. information. They weren't there. Um, so what advice would you give to hygienists that might feel a little stifled by, you know, management or doctors that are kind of stuck in that sick care paradigm? What, do you, what recommendations or ideas would you share on that front? That's a challenge and an opportunity. I, I would say that um, dentists that are very set in their ways and are happy with their practice, it's going to be more challenging. Right. They might say, yeah, that's good. Go do that for you. You know, um, as long as it doesn't upset anything, if you want to implement some new things like salivary testing, um, and you can show them that this is a better diagnosis. You could show them maybe even that it's a little bit of an income generator, whatever it is that you're looking at. They might be interested in that. Um, ideally, of course, you want to work beside a dentist who is growing. And, and that's the challenge is um, I know Dr. L.D. Pankey many, many years ago said in his experience in working with thousands of dentists, he found, and this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to share it with you. He said about 2% are what he would call masters. 
um, they can do it. They can talk about it. They can write about it. I mean, they, they, they're really the Pete Dawson's of the world of, in the LD Pankies. Um, then he said there's about eight to 10% that he would call adept. They're super highly trained. Any problem that you typically run into in a dental office, they could solve it all the way up to a full mouth reconstruction. You know, they, they know exactly and precisely how to do that. He said there's another 30 some percent that he would call students. And these are those that want to keep growing, want to learn new techniques, want to do better and find better ways um, of doing things. And so um, they're, they're on that journey and, and committed to learning new things. And so they would be open to these discussions that we're having. Um, but then he said, and that leaves over 50% who he said, I would call indifferent. And you know what I found, uh, Sharissa, is that's true in everything. Right. Um, I, I was at the hospital one day and I was talking with a um, ICU nurse and I just was thinking about these things. And I said to her, what percentage of the surgeons in this hospital would you let do surgery on a family member? Now, I would think it would be nine out of 10. I would hope it would be right. nine out of 10. She didn't want to answer me. And I said, come on, give me a number. Is it less than 50%? And she said, yes. Mm. So here's the top of the top, you know, educated people. And yet many are satisfied with whatever they learned in school. And that's what they're going to do. And they really don't want to be confused by new facts because they've, they've got, they're in their lane doing their thing and they're comfortable with that. And they're getting to play golf on Wednesday afternoon and Friday afternoon, and they're making a decent living. And that's what they wanted. Now, with that being said, we want to shoot for the, the students and the adept and the, and, you know, the, uh, those that are really masters, but the other group that I would call undetermined are the young dentists. I think that they're malleable, you know, they're, they're moldable because, um, they haven't gotten set in their ways yet. And, and I believe, and I, I actually had a conversation with the new executive director of the ADA um, just a week ago. And he said in the dental schools right now, they're really trying to show that dentistry is part of the primary care team. He said, because in medicine, so often you just go for a chief complaint for a symptom and you get that addressed and you go on your way. But in dentistry, we've done a beautiful job of training our patients to keep coming back, keep coming back, even though you're not having signs or symptoms, even though you're not sick. In fact, we're going to keep you from being sick. We're going to keep you from having periodontal disease and having cavities and having toothaches and needing root canals. So our patients are very well trained that way to understand we are where you go so you don't get sick. And so um, he was very committed to trying to address that at the ADA level to say, why don't we take advantage of that and build on that as a profession? And in fact, at the dental schools around the country, they're having those conversations. So he believes that dentistry is moving that way and he's committed to making sure it does, uh, which I'm very excited about. And um, so I think there's a big light at the end of the tunnel. And I I don't know that if you have a dentist who yawns when you talk to them about these things that you're going to change that Right. Um, unless you can try to create a business model, maybe for them that you can show them, you don't have to do anything. 
doctor, except just agree with me <laughs> and allow me to do my thing and I'll show you and, and you know, support what we're doing and, and we'll move forward with this primarily from a management of periodontal therapy uh, and better modalities for that. But, um, but you know, I, I, I think your first goal would be to work with someone who is supportive and actually is encouraging you to grow um, would be your ideal. And I'm not telling you to go quit tomorrow if you don't have that. <laughs> um, the, the other thing is, um, you know, just if there are educational opportunities um, that you may be able to have your doctor go with you to, right. you know, or experience. And, and you and I have had that conversation where uh, I think what we want to do through uh, IDM Scholar Society is maybe create some 15 minute videos introducing these different things we're talking about that you could look at at your staff meeting. You know, right. if you get a little 15 minute educational component that maybe the hygienist could be in charge of the educational you know, aspect of a staff meeting, or you could ask, could I do that? Um, then you could create some conversations. And so um, I'm going to commit to that. And that would be something that would be accessible, like on YouTube or something along that line is where is dentistry going? What's the future? What's new? You know, what's exciting? What is something that you could do to benefit your patients and your practice? So I'm learning that you you do, if you want to influence dentists, th there has to be a business model. This isn't just philanthropy that we're doing, but right. there has to be a, you know, you're investing time in a business that, that if you want to look at it from the dentist perspective, I'm responsible for taking care of everybody. This is my family, my team members, you know, I'm responsible for their, their salaries, their incomes, their family being, you know, taken care of. So there, there is that side of it that we always want to be sensitive to. Um, but if we could do both, you know, if we could create something great that is also has a business model, then, then that's a win-win. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think there's a big space here, you know, as we're thinking in that direction, I think there's, I've had multiple patients coming in, you know, saying, Hey, I, I just read an article that said my, my dental health can influence, you know, potential development of Alzheimer's. I just, you know, I had a patient actually send me an article, you know, and yeah, I'm like, so. oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but I feel like there's this space that's opening up with what I would call patient-driven dentistry and, yeah. and dental care because patients are understanding the connections and asking for that. So I think I'm hoping that opens a door as well to some, you know, some providers that aren't as open-minded yet or don't really understand it yet for when patients come in and ask us for that, um, you know, we want to be there to provide that. And I think everything we're talking about, if we can truly practice this way, the patients, we are improving the way the patients feel, we're improving their quality of life, their longevity, you know, who doesn't want that? And so when we talk about this is a a business and, you know, it has to be profitable. And I absolutely agree with that hundred percent. Wouldn't taking care of patients this way, bring us to that as well. You know, if, if you're a practice that patients know that you're going to take the very best care of me and you're going to extend my life, I'm going to tell everybody I know about you. And all of a sudden, you know, the chairs are going to be full. So I think there's a full circle component coming. Um, the other hurdle I mentioned that I've been bumping up against lately is, as I'm having these conversations with patients, um, 
you know, their physicians don't seem too concerned about some of these issues. And that's hard for me. I have a very specific patient in mind. Um, actually, ironically, I just saw him this morning. Um, and we have done periodontal therapy for him. And he's had a, a, a great outcome on that front. But he has sky high blood pressure, and I'm pretty certain sleep apnea in all the conversations we've had. I mean, he's even told me his wife hears him stopping, you know, he stops breathing at night. And I've really, really tried to get him to, you know, talk to his physician about just the blood pressure to begin with and, you know, getting a sleep study. And he came back, um, he comes to see me every three months. Well, three months ago, he came in and he said, oh, I went to my doctor. You'll be so proud. I went to my doctor and they said, yeah, my blood pressure is pretty high. And they wanted me to get a, a cuff and monitor it at home. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I see him again today and he's still monitoring it, but he's monitoring, you know, like 150 over 100. And there's not been any steps made. So thankfully, I have some other physicians in my area that, you know, I can I can utilize and reach out to. And I, I gave him some information today to uh, follow up with a sleep study. And I'm hoping that he will make that happen. But that's what I'm bumping into as well as the physicians mm-hmm. not really, you know, acknowledging the issues. Right. Yeah, that's a challenge. And sometimes it's a matter of being busy. And sometimes it's a matter of just what they accept as being normal, because there's so many people with high blood pressure, it becomes normal to have high blood pressure. Um, A couple of things come to mind as you're speaking. One of the things that I've learned is that patients are very responsive to us giving them medical advice. Um, but I try not to overstep my bounds. So let me give you an example. A patient comes in and they mark down that they have type two diabetes. And then they mark down that they're on meds for type two diabetes. And we know from the research now, and this is a huge point, that 90% of patients with type two diabetes can reverse it without medications through lifestyle changes, specific lifestyle changes. 90%. And so what that basically means is if every physician was doing a great job with helping patients understand lifestyle opportunities they have and patients responding, then you'd only have about 10% of patients on meds, (laughs) Um, you know, that weren't really responding effectively to these lifestyle changes. Now I know this and you know this. And so now I'm sitting with a new patient And I'm looking at this and going, so you do have type two diabetes. Uh Uh-huh. And you're on this med. Uh Uh-huh. Has your, has your physician ever mentioned anything to you about lifestyle and its influence on diabetes? No, they haven't. Well, I'm not going to criticize the physician because, you know, that's certainly not my role, but I'm sitting in the consult room and I've got a whole row of books on a bookshelf right on the countertop there, one of which is reversing diabetes. And it goes into all those details of 20 year um, history in a practice. And so what I might do is say, you know, this book and pull it out, this book, this physician actually did research on this and found they were able to reverse diabetes 90% of the time without meds. Maybe this is something that would be informative to you. Would you like to take this book home and read it? So what I'm doing is I'm just sharing another physician's perspective. I'm not the expert. I just read the book, you know, and I thought it was 
fascinating. And so without any comments in a negative way, I might give the patient the book and say, why don't you take this home when we get back together next week, you can tell me what you thought. And I've had several patients now who literally have done that and reversed their own diabetes and come back three, four, six months later and said, you know, I've lost 20, 30 pounds. And I went back and my blood pressure was lower. My diabetes was in a normal range. My physician said, I don't know what happened to you, but whatever it is, keep doing it. And one of the arguments that I hear in interacting with physicians is the old adage, people don't change much, you know, people change, but not much. And so the thought being, if someone, let's say is overweight and they're diabetic and they have poor eating habits and they don't exercise, many physicians will say, you know, I can encourage, I know all about that. And I could tell them go lose 40 pounds and start exercising every day, but nobody will do it or they won't keep doing it. And so it's better for them for me to just give them a pill, you see, because it's easier. They'll actually take the pill, but they won't exercise and they won't change their diet and they, you know, won't quit smoking and they, they won't do it. So they just assume. So that's no different than in the old days when Dr. Dawson started practicing dentistry in 1957. And that was the age when you'd go to see the dentist and they would say, Hey, by the way, if you have any problems, you call me. Right. And they didn't do complete exams and they didn't identify problems that were brewing and they didn't recommend replacing old silver amalgams that were cracked. And, you know, we just waited till the tooth cracked or split. And so Dr. Dawson was the one who said, you know, every patient deserves a complete exam. Every patient, don't judge them by their wallet or their background or their education or their income. You just do the right thing and you look thoroughly and you tell them what you see and you tell them what you would do if this was your family member and then you let them decide. You see, that's what every person deserves. And that was his mantra for 50 years of influencing dentistry. And of course, in a large way, turned things around um, from what it was then. But I'm saying the same thing should be true in medicine. You know, if we're going to see a patient as a physician, we should do blood work and every test necessary to evaluate for the main factors of, of issues that occur in the human body and tell the patient and tell them what they can do about it and then let them decide, you know, not judge. Oh, well, she's a school teacher, so I'm not going to recommend a bridge for her. We'll just do a partial, you know, because it's cheaper and and we're making a judgment on someone where. I can tell you, Sharissa, over 40 years that I've had many surprises of patients that came in in overalls and old tennis shoes. And when we told them the treatment plan that it would take for them to have an ideal health, they said, let's do it. And they would get a second job or go to that aunt that we didn't know about that could give them some help or, you know, the stories are many. Uh, But the fact was, that's what they wanted. Uh, as soon as it was offered to them. And I believe many people want to be healthy. Many people know they need to lose weight. They know they need to exercise. They know they need to eat more fruits and vegetables and stop eating high fructose corn syrup. They know that. They read that in Ladies Home Journal. They see it all over the place, you know? And and um, so that's no big secret, but they really don't know how to implement it. 
And they really don't feel supported in that. You know, they don't have anyone that's coaching them. They don't have anyone that's an accountability partner, which I think is our role, you know, as healthcare providers. And I see the dental hygienist as being a tremendous source of encouragement, support, coaching, mentoring, accountability that patients would love to take advantage of if they, if they had that opportunity. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you said, with them, with patients coming to see us so frequently, I found for myself, you know, that it's, it's a growing relationship and every appointment is a new opportunity to discuss something new or different or take that next step. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exhilarating. And that's, I think where the true fulfillment comes from. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think if we just took the challenge of saying, you know, I'm going to learn a little bit of something new and start sharing that with my patients. And, and maybe it's one thing every three months, you know, that has to do with breathing and airway and sleep and some of the signs and symptoms that people present that we can see in the mouth and just get a mirror out and show them. Um, I mean, that would be a huge service. Um, And, and, and that could be the, you know, the emphasis for a period of time and then, and and then another emphasis, uh, you know, in a new way, but um, it's just, it's just sitting there waiting to happen. And very, very few people are doing anything with all of this information. We have a wealth of information available to us to help people. Well, on that note, I want to say thank you because you are definitely uh, one of the pioneers in all of this and putting all this together and promoting it. And it, I know it truly is your heart and passion and life's work. So I am so appreciative for your time of sharing this, all of this information. And again, I do want to promote um, IDM for our listeners because I think it is just something everyone needs to experience. Um, I know you guys are going to be hosting um, another conference later this year. Um, I don't know if that's been determined yet, but I know um, our listeners can go to www.witwilkersondmd.com to find out more information about IDM and see what they're all about. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to do that. Um, And I just I'm so appreciative of your time and your expertise, and I'm thankful that you are here with us. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Yes. Um, if, if y'all listening would go to idmscholarsociety.com, I think that will give you the whole, uh, the whole picture of what we're doing. And then I would just like to say, Sharissa, that we want to work together with you at Bulletproof Hygiene to collaborate. Um, This is a win-win-win thing for all of us. And this subject is bigger than all of us put together and something I hope in my lifetime I'm going to see really implemented around the country. But the the train is pulling out of the station and I hope everyone's getting on board. This is the future. And uh, the next frontier in dentistry is going to be this subject of integrative dental medicine and collaboration uh, between healthcare professionals to turn around our health crisis. And it's very doable. We've got great answers and it's not that complicated. And so um, we're all in this together. I look forward to working closely with you in the future uh, on, on this subject and on this endeavor. Yes, absolutely. So you hear that listeners, this is not the last you're hearing from Dr. Wilkinson. and no, no. <laughs> That's right. All right. That's sure. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you. 